Crawford, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. He jumped up and... That's Austin Nace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it, a stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance, they're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name, one, Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, it's Fields on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Brunin, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Got to get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Got to continue. I got to Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Adam Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that can do something for me. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by campstacan.com. Matt Bruning and Chris Moxley are here. Austin Nace is vacationing in space. And I'm Felix Sharp on a 21-year-old version of tonight's show. We rate Ohio State skilled position players and some other teams in the Big Ten for the upcoming NCAA video game. Listen, I know we've done that a few times, but we're going to go through some more players here. And we discuss spring training camp competitions. But we're going to start with Austin Mack. Uh, who was a uh, four-star quarterback in the 2024 class who is reclassifying to 2023 to join the Washington Huskies program. Now, I've talked a little bit about um, how we needed to watch Washington because Michael Penix Jr. is going to be moving on to the NFL here soon, and Kalen DeBoer has had success with Michael Penix Jr. at both Indiana and uh, even more so now at Washington and with Jake Hayner at Fresno State. And so we wanted to see who his next quarterback was would be. We have that answer officially now. Austin Mack will reclassify and will join the program in the fall. Now, we have an interesting history at that position, at the quarterback position, with players who have reclassified to join their college program a year earlier. Most recently, Quint Ewers, uh, who reclassified from 2022 to be the 2021 class, and we went to Ohio State. Uh, JT Daniels in 2019 reclassified to join the 2018 program there at uh, U.S. Uh, Jim Bentley at South Carolina was 
the class of 2017 and reclassified to the to 2016, going outside of the quarterback position. Tony Grimes was a five-star for the class of 2021, but due to the pandemic and not having football uh, that year, he reclassified to North Carolina in 2020. Matt, the the history with regard to players reclassifying and uh, going to their college pro- programs a little bit early and skipping that senior season, it's kind of shaky. It's 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 shaky. I mean, Ewers might be the most successful of the players that we've just named, and he really hasn't lived up to the hype. So, uh, and I can talk about Max' skill set, but do you think that there's something? Here, some concerns to be worried about with regard to players reclassifying and joining their college programs a year early. I don't. Uh, And a lot of that comes from this is a weird list when you look at it. Because each of these have, I think, well, so I'll only speak to two. The two major ones that I know a lot about, JT Daniels and Quinn Ewers. I'm going to be honest. Don't really know much about Tony Grimes, and I don't remember Jake Bentley being necessarily that highly rated or really that good. Didn't I mean Moxley? You're a South Carolina fan. Didn't he have like a? It wasn't like a good like three or four game stretch, and that was it. If I remember correctly, he, he had he had a handful of games. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah, he was better anything. when he was at South Alabama. <laughs> that wasn't anything amazing. So if you're looking at it just from the quarterback position here. Ewers is a very weird situation. We've talked a lot about this, right? Even his junior season, he only played in a handful of games as well because he had that double groin surgery. We It was a big, big thing that we talked about for, for two years. He did not play two entire seasons because when he went to Ohio State, he didn't do anything. He was the fourth string quarterback for most of that year until Jack Miller got that DUI. So he was not even getting practice reps. JT Daniels, I think we kind of forget how good he looked to start that season. Then he got hurt. Keaton Slovis takes over, and then it's really been the injuries that have held JT Daniels back, right? Because we've seen the flashes. I mean, people may not remember this because of what Stetson Bennett's done the past two years, but there was legitimate talks before la- the the what was it, twenty twenty two SEC championship game that Stets that JT Daniels should be starting that game, not Stetson Bennett, because he was supposedly healthy. Like JT Daniels had shown flashes. I don't think him reclassifying hurt him. It was the injuries. Quinn Ewers, you could argue the same thing with the double groin surgery and all that other stuff. The difference with Mac here is he's coming in here and realistically, he's going to be competing with Dylan Morris because the only other two quarterbacks on that roster, I believe, are both walk-ons. So he's going to be competing with Dylan Morris when he gets there. I won't be there for spring. He's not coming until fall. So he'll be competing for that backup job, which I would not be surprised. He's not going to take it to start off, but could he get there toward the end of the year and actually start getting some practice reps and then take over next year in that offense after Michael Penix is gone? Like, I actually don't have any fears about that for Austin Matt because he doesn't have those injury history or anything right now coming in. And from everything I've seen and read on, I've not had a chance to watch him a ton. I know you were doing a little bit of that today, Felix, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But like everything I've seen and read is he's got all the tools in the world. And if he fills out into that frame, he's six, six something right now. Like he could be a very good quarterback. And you're talking about a guy going to an offense that we love as well. Like say what you want. I know, I know you've been a big supporter of Michael Penix. He's got some interesting tools. He was inconsistent without DeBoer. 
had the best season he's ever had last year. You're telling me you're going to give him now a guy who's got all these tools and a year to work with him too in that system before he takes over. Like I personally have no fears or qualms right now about Austin, uh, Austin Mack reclassifying and going to Washington. It's a different school. Maybe I would have a little bit of concern, but with Washington, I really don't. Uh, and Jason in the chat Actually, mentions Br- Braylon Allen who reclassified. He had the nerve to reclassify as a 16-year-old junior and went to went to college as a yep. 17-year-old. Uh, so I mean, there's there's at least one success story. Mox, uh, where you, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to comment before. I, you know, I I know you've watched a a good amount of him now, Felix. So I d- I don't want to get into uh, the scouting debate beforehand, but. This is a huge win for the Washington program. Like it, it cannot be underscored how important him reclassifying is because they lost out on Lincoln Kineholz, who I think was going to be their guy up until when he reclassified like early or he committed to Ohio State, what, early February, late January? I don't remember the timeline exactly. So no, y'all it was uh, were in right before. Space. Right before early, well, it, what's really signing day now is a little bit before the December yeah. signing day. I want to say it was like maybe three weeks or so before. That. Okay. So, yeah. So, he was their guy for a long time, and then he went to Ohio State. And I don't know that it's a bad decision for him. I think he's a pretty talented quarterback. But to get a guy in this class that is as good as I think Austin Matt could be, you have to feel really, really good as a Huskies fan. This reclassification is so important to what they want to do there. I I, I just think it's really exciting if you're Kalen DeBoer and, and, and like just being a fan of the Huskies, period. Like th- this is huge for the program. Regardless of how good or bad you think Mac is, like getting a quarterback of his caliber it, it, after missing on kind holes in the cycle, huge. So I mean not even kind holes. I I know that this was before DeBoer, but you're talking about this is the highest rated quarterback recruit they've had since one Sam Heward, who obviously just transferred out earlier this year to Cal Poly, right? Like the, the whole thing is Cal Poly, baby. What? Why? Well, hey, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I actually think he could have a really good season. We've never even talked about that. With the I saw 24 seven. Oh, I'm in a Sam Heward too. It's his former high school coach. Yeah. And uh, he put up there. All those, Cal Poly. Yeah. Put up those amazing stats in high school. But regardless, the big thing, I think that, that, Moxley was kind of touching on there too that we haven't like come fully out and said either. It's like they can't lose him now either. He's committed. He's at Washington. He's a four star, four star prospect right now in the 24 class. We don't know how much higher he could have gone with another really good season. So I think, as Moxley said, it's a massive get for Washington and DeBoer. Yeah, he's a six foot six pocket passer who handles pressure essentially by uh, throwing, throwing over. Uh, releasing the ball over it and, and taking the hit. Now, um, on the scale of Jake Hanner to Michael Penix Jr., he's more Michael Penix Jr. You're going to have to protect him. Uh, and this is just watching his highlight tape. With with these players, I do like to get full games so that I can see uh, how consistent they are from a down-to-down basis because that's like making the easy throws is something I want to see from the quarterback position. But, man. So Kalen DeBoer with Michael Penix Jr. has been a vertical passer, especially with those two wide receivers out there. You get, they have another really good wide receiver who's going to be potentially be a deep threat with them with Tayshawn Lyons. Now you have Austin Mack and Tayshawn Lyons. They will be able to grow and develop t- together. And uh, as you c- would expect for a player that big in Austin Mack, he can make every throw on the field. Now he's going to have to do it from the pocket. I don't know that he 
sees things as you know quickly as a uh, Dante Moore does. If you want to run twenty yard out route, come back to the opposite hash, he can do it. Um, he's he's got a, a, a rifle and he can throw. The first throw on his highlight tape is a he he throws a deep ball like sixty yards off of his back foot as he's taking contact. So that's what we're talking uh, talk, talking about. A guy who's probably going to is more likely to take a few steps in the pocket as opposed to scramble outside of the pocket. But I mean, look how good Michael Penix Jr. was in the vertical game this year in campus to Ken, really in campus to Ken more so than Debbie in campus to Ken. We are looking for as many sure things as we can possibly get, especially at the quarterback position. When you have super flex leagues, we know that Lincoln Riley is going to develop them. We know that Alabama is going to have somebody. We know that to pay attention to Lane Kiffin's quarterback room. But Kalen DeBoer has got to be up there, in my opinion. Now, he hasn't put the guy in the NFL just yet. But that, I mean, Michael Penix, if I could bet on who's going to be the MVP of the Senior Bowl next year, I, I would put Michael Penix Jr. right up there. That would give Kalen DeBoer two guys back to back being MVP. Uh, you, I mean, you're laughing at me. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be a senior. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl. He's got, he has, he would have been the best quarterback at the Senior Bowl this year if he was there. But all of that to say that I think I think Kalen DeBoer, we need to consider him in the second tier of coaches to that that we can go to for offensive production, not just at the quarterback position, but at the wide receiver position. And this was a hole that we were looking like, how are they going to f- to fill it? Because this is a valuable position in our format. And know the answer, it's off stack. Yeah, and, and- one thing I'll say about that from a CFF perspective, like a college fantasy perspective specifically is Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan are both being drafted within the first 30 picks of CFF drafts that mocks that we've run so far. It's an offense you want to invest in. And regardless of what you want to say about Kayla DeBoer's past, like what is, what exactly is he going to produce as an offense coordinator, at Indiana, and then an offense coordinator head coach at Fresno state, right? Like, what do you what do you expect of him to produce to the NFL level? Now he's actually at a G five program that's willing to invest resources. I think there's reason to be really excited about Austin Mack, especially in like late in our our freshman supplemental drafts, and then same for like CFF Dynasty. I just think there's a lot of opportunity there. I'm 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 on board. Yeah, and we need as many coaches as we can that we can count on. So, uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, he's not going to be there in the spring, which is problematic. I don't know that that it's necessarily problematic. He's not. He is not expected to play this year. So I'd still expect Dylan Morris to be the backup. But getting the practice reps and having the playbook for a year, so that you know the see the time that counts for him will be January first, two thousand twenty-four, when he starts spring camp uh, when he starts getting ready for the spring of 2024 to compete for the starting position. That's what we're teeing up uh, here. And he's getting a head start on that development, which is going to count. So is that, is that that development more important at the collegiate level as a player who is just learning the system versus another year starting in high school? So Shane asked a really good question, which, which is basically getting at that does losing a year of development hurt him. Um, obviously we're a live show so you know join us in the comments and and we can answer these sorts of questions while we're having this debate i so I, i'll answer real quick before i throw it over to you felix um the answer to me is 
is no. I, even if he sits out, I think learning from Kalen DeBoer and this collegiate offense is more important than having another year at the high school level, considering how highly he regarded he already is. If this was a different player, maybe I think we would have a slightly different discussion. Like if a guy in the 300s or 400s of recruiting rankings was reclassifying, this is a player who I think we think really highly of. So I think learning from a guy like Kalen DeBoer and the entire offense is probably more valuable than having another year of dominating high school. But I, I think the answer is maybe because I've said this a bunch about the quarterback position. I think that this is the one position where reps matter a lot more than any. I think that you can teach a wide receiver how to run an out route on a play, do it in a couple, and then he'll he'll just he can just go do it. He either can or he can't. At at quarterback, I believe that position is more like baseball. Like you get into a rhythm hitting the ball, and you get that rhythm by taking reps. Now it, it's it's Interesting because the difference between um, like like Mac and Quint Ewers, Quint Ewers was never going to start at Ohio State. Like that was just a weird reclassification because he was never going to start. Mac has a chance to start next year, and so they're like, "All right, we're going to give you the reps." He as a third string quarterback, if he is the third string quarterback, he's probably running scout team. So he is practicing against the first team defense all week. He's probably also in the meeting room with Dylan Morris and Michael Penix Jr. studying the game plan. So he's getting, you know, studying the playbook and at the same time playing against uh, playing against the first string defense on the scout team. At the second string quarterback is not the second string quarterback is just sitting on the sideline, not getting any reps. So, um, you know, he's not going to be playing, but he is getting. Uh, uh, the opportunity to get the collegiate experience and seeing how tight these windows are, you know, how quickly uh, cornerbacks can recover and all, all that sort of thing. And again, we, he's going to be on that scout team with, with Tayshawn lines. They're going to be uh, doing together. So you know, it, does it hurt him losing a year of development in, in some ways it hurts him, but in some ways being on campus helps him too, because next, next January, when he gets to, start preparing for the spring, he'll know where his classes are. He'll know what the practice schedule is. He'll know, you know, what the conditioning is like. He's not doing all of those things for the first time. So he can actually focus on winning this, the starting job for a Washington team in a program that is ascending under Kalen DeBoer and should only continue to extend. Cause let's not forget they're losing both UCLA and USC. So who's going to take, the mantle is for is being like one of the second tier franchise or programs there in the Pac-12. Washington's there, Utah's Oregon. there. Well, Utah's already Utah's already there, but Oregon. you know, or Oregon's number one. I'm putting Oregon number number one in that in that conference. So, so uh, how long does Washington actually stay in the Pac-12? Is a different conversation for so another day. They're not. I don't think they're going anywhere. Personally, the only the only people that were pursuing not this the year ten. Well, Kevin Warren's gone. Kevin Warren was the one who wanted Washington and Oregon. He's gone. He's in the NFL now. Uh, but two, really quick, just my my opinion on the the Shane's question there with the will it hurt him lose. I, I think it's a little bit of good and bad. And I think the good outweighs the bad on the side of like, yeah, as, as Felix mentioned, he's not getting those reps. He's not getting to play for an entire senior year. But as Felix mentioned, he's going to get to sit and learn that offense the entire year. Would it be crazy? Washington makes a bowl game. Michael Penix has a good year that he decides to sit out and, and Austin starts that bowl game at the end of the year. And even if he doesn't, 
you're talking about him coming in at January, knowing the system, being in it now for an entire football season, like he's going to hit the ground running. I don't think it's going to be any kind of quarterback battle. And he's going to be in that college, like weight nutrition program, right? He's going to be working out at a college level. So he's going to be putting on that mass that like everybody says he needs to, he's going to be as Felix said, learning all that stuff. So like, I would not be surprised if this dude hits the ground running again. I, we mentioned JT Daniels and Quinn Ewers with this. Earlier. There are just so many different circumstances around those two that not at all is playing into to Austin at all right now. So I think he does kind of have a leg up on those two because of the situation he's in. We, we should mention because he has reclassified, if you haven't had your freshman draft yet, he is most likely eligible to be taken in your freshman draft. And so this is a player that probably shouldn't slide out of the fourth round somewhere around there. His, we're going to see what his ADP is as, as the weeks go by and like this news kind of reverberates throughout the communities specifically as we start to talk about it and he will be in the freshman guide. Uh, so, so it'll be interesting to see where he, where he is because there's a, there's a top five, an easy top five at the quarterback position in this class. And I mean, between his skill set and offense, his landing spot, he should be in the second tier after those top five. So Speaking of the freshman guide, Chris Moxley, are you ready for? Let's go housekeeping. Okay, all right. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you are like, liking, and subscribing to our channel. Like this video helps us grow our content across the platform. Raise your views are also really important to us. Make sure that if you are listening to any of the podcasts after the fact, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on Apple, make sure you rate and review. And if you want to roast us, that actually be really good content for the show. So give us a five-star review. We'll read your roast out loud. That's a uh, deviation from our, our, our usual shtick. Uh, we have an incredible podcast lineup as well. We're promoting and producing content every day of the week. We have Chase and Nata. We have Campus Life. We have Back to Devi, which produced an awesome sleeper episode this week, which absolutely check it out. Uh, Debbie debate can't unbound the official that comes out on Saturday. We have you covered almost every single day of the week for your listening and a beautiful ears. The most important piece of information that you're going to get from the show tonight might be that on March 1st, we are re releasing our freshman and supplemental guide. What that is a look at all of our freshman profiles from a fantasy perspective, a bunch of advanced analytics, that big wide receiver, we got our super guy, Matt Powell, uh, and, and David at Solving Football have put together for us. It is an incredible, incredible piece of information for your C2C leagues, for your CFF Dynasty leagues, for your Debbie leagues. There is nothing quite like this on the market. It is an incredible amount of work that goes into this. And, like, we, we knocked it out of the park last year. Like, I'll be honest. Like, this product saved you in a lot of different ways and gave you a lot of value. We were much higher in Quinchon Judkins. And you know who we were lower on? We faded Emmanuel Henderson. Emmanuel Henderson. Yeah. Emmanuel Henderson, who was like RB1 on every service. And we said, no, this dude's running back. He's wide receiver. He was classified as wide receiver today. This is a guy that many people contribute to who are incredibly smart. I think is probably our best product. We've many are saying this. Many, many are saying. Many this. are saying this. 
Man, um, the freshman. I hate doing the, this. The freshman guide. It really is a lot of fun, and I'm starting to get excited because Fan Tracks has turned over 2023 leagues, so you can go and you can start setting cues. And so, you know, I've got Dante Moore in my queue. I've got Justice Hayes in my queue, and there's a certain thrill about not seeing a player play at the college level and projecting them to the NFL and drafting that player and tracking uh, their progress. So if you aren't or haven't played in the Campus to Canton League, really encourage you to try it. Go to campustocanton.com to sign up. And even if you're not playing in Debbie or Campus to Canton League, you can look at all our rankings. You can use our tools for your rookie drafts. It is the best value there is in the fantasy space starting at $2.99 a month. $2.99 a month because of the information uh, to be accessible to, to everyone. So um, support, support what it is that we're doing. Um, we're talking about spring training camp quarterback battles tonight. There are a lot of quarterbacks who are going to the NFL this year, leaving some of these positions wide open, Matthew. And um, I think we have to, we have to, I mean, we have to start here at Ohio State. This definitely, uh, the quarterback at Ohio State always matters. It matters for the supporting cast around uh, with the wide receivers and the running backs there. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. probably doesn't need to play this year. He's going to be a top 15-ish draft pick. Travion Henderson is probably going to be a day two uh, NFL draft pick if he decides to declare next year. Mayan Williams could find himself there. But we need to know who the quarterback is going to be. And there are two really highly touted guys there, Matthew, and you're plugged into that program. Uh, (laughs) Kyle McCord, five-star quarterback in the 2021 class, the 28th overall player out of Philadelphia, played his high school ball with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, And Devin Brown, the four-star quarterback, quarterback six, the 46th overall player in last year's class, um, played at Corner Canyon, with where Zach Wilson went to high school, a guy who's just not afraid of tight windows. He can move around a little bit. I mean, with Drew Aller, probably had the strongest arm in last year's freshman class. Um, Matthew, what are your thoughts on this quarterback battle and and who you think is going to win? I mean, we already know who you think is going to win, but give us your thoughts on the quarterback battle. So as being as unbiased as I can possibly be in discussing this You're starting off with lies. Starting off with lies. Lies from here on with Matthew. Lies. It is going to be a very interesting battle, in my opinion. There's a lot of different narratives going into this one. Obviously, Kyle McCord has two years in the system – which we know matters to Ryan Day. He has very a lot of veteran deference, as, as we've talked about before. Devin Brown, supposedly, and I'm going to say supposedly because I'm going to say something here in a minute, is more athletic than Kyle. And I do think brings a different dynamic than Kyle can if it with that part of things because we saw, at least in the Georgia Preach. game, how C.J. Stroud was able to In my opinion, he was the best player on the field in that game, in my opinion. And a lot of that had to do with what he was able to do with his legs and and picking up first downs, extending plays, something that Kyle is not going to be able to do the way that CJ did that we imagine Devin Brown will be able to do. Now, I still don't think it matters, and I do think Kyle is going to get the job. 
I do think it's going to be a tight battle. And I honestly think regard, I shouldn't say regardless. If Devin wins it, I do think Kyle transfers. If Kyle wins it, I do not think Devin's going to transfer based on things that have been said. I know people are not going to like that. There's just a lot of belief in what Ryan Day can do for that. The one thing I will say is they are already there and doing stuff. I don't know exactly when their spring stuff starts. I know Shane had asked in the chat, are we going to be getting updates? Yes. Like, Dude, I'm busy, but I promise we'll get spring camp stuff up and going. I know stuff kicked off in the next week or so. Like, we'll get to it. I promise you. Ohio State's doesn't start, I believe, until March. I I will say that there's been a lot of testing stuff so far this week, and I can say that one of those quarterbacks in pads run 20.5 miles per hour today. The other ran 20.2, which is probably not a big difference, but I'll let you guys try and figure out who ran which one because I know the answer. But I do think well, Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. I, I just think having – being in that system for two years and being Day's guy, which I do think is a little bit overlooked. Like, he was the first guy that Day went out and actually recruited. He picked him over J.J. McCarthy. C.J. Stroud came in late, was a year ahead of Kyle McCord. I do think all that's going to end up mattering a lot. So I don't think there's that much difference between the two of them talent and skill wise. And I, I think at the end of the day, Kyle is going to be at the, the starter for Ohio state. Well, he Kyle ha, has been there two years. Ryan day seemed to prefer pocket quarterback. And so Devin's Devin Brown's athleticism, I don't think serves to his advantage in this situation because Ryan day doesn't want you to run anyway. Um, so he should win the job. He should win the job. But Devin Brown is a really talented player uh, yes. in his own right. So, Mox, any thoughts about the uh, the quarterback battle there and who's going to win? I, th- I mean, you're probably on board that it's going to be McCord. I mean, just for he's a junior, he should win. Yeah, I think it's going to be McCord. I actually have a high, McCord Heisman future. So, if, like, I, I put my money where my mouth is, right? Like, I I, I think that he's going to win this job, and I think he'll be a productive player in this offense, considering he's go- going to be buoyed by a Mecca, Buka, and Marvin Harrison Jr. I just, I just think he's a better fit currently. I think Devin Brown might get there in his next year, and that would be fine. I don't, like Matt said, I don't think he's going to transfer, and that would be that would be totally cool with me, too, if he wants to be the guy next year. They don't really have a quarterback coming in in the next class who's going to just light the world on fire. I mean, Dylan Rayola decommitted a couple months ago. So, you know, I, all right, let's go down seen a little bit. Of, oh yeah. No, I was just going to say, we've seen a little bit of comic cord. Like he's only started one game as a, as a, you know, uh, quarterback at Ohio state 13 for 18, 319 yards, two touchdowns, one interception is a freshman in like the third week. Pretty good. It's the same. fourth week. I think. Was it third week? I think it was the fourth week. It's the fourth week. Oh, I'm sorry. His third or fourth whoever... week is a true freshman. I'm just saying. I'm just, you know, it's, it's just, you know, just saying. I'm always, it was the fourth week because they had Oregon. Tulsa was the game that obviously, uh, what was it? Stroud could like not throw at all. And he ended up getting benched. All right. Um, let's go down south to Alabama. Alabama, the last couple of years, has always been uh, a program Scores a lot of points, and, and their quarterbacks have been prolific passers. Tua Tungvaloa, uh, Bryce Young, and Mac Jones have all been really prolific since, really since Jalen Hurts 
left in the, f- the second half of that uh, of that championship game, and they've been a prolific passing team. They've got two interesting players in five-star Ty Simpson, the quarterback three overall, the 26th player in the 2022 class, and then Jalen Milrow. Uh, he was quarterback 13, the 86th over. overall player in the 2021 class played this year uh had uh, was 31 for 53 297 yards five touchdowns passing three interceptions though and did add uh 31 carries for 263 yards one touchdown alabama has a new offensive coordinator in notre dame's tommy reese there matthew uh, this one to me is way more of a coin flip than McCord and Devin Brown. I agree. Um, And it's hard to guess which way Reese would lean too, right? Because he's had the pocket passers. They also had Tyler Buckner last year, who at least in the Ohio State game was not playing horrible for his first real start in multiple years. I do think, and and maybe I'm leaning too much on on veteran deference in these first two jobs here, but I think they're going to go with Milrow. Unless Simpson just comes out and just blows everybody away in camp, I think Milrow does have the head start on the job, I guess, for lack of a better word term there. I think he's got the head start on it, and I just don't know that Simpson's going to be able to come in and completely blow him away because the other thing is something you've talked about before, is they're both in a way going to be learning somewhat of a new offense here. It's it's not like either one of them has any real head step on any of that, but I think Milrow will get that because we've seen Saban is not afraid to go with the veteran, but yank them fairly quickly. We saw that with Jalen Hurts, and we, and we know how much he loves Jalen Hurts. He did a lot of interviews this Super Bowl week talking about that. I think at the end of the day, it does mean that, for me at least, I think Milrow gets the first crack, but as soon as he starts struggling, I think he will have no hesitation to pull him and throw Simpson in. I'm not. I'm not even sure, Chris, that Milrow gets the first crack. I don't know that he's necessarily entitled to it based on his play last year. Yeah, I. I don't think he is either. I actually, if I had to stand here today and pick a starter, it would be Ty Simpson. I. I just don't think Milrow played particularly well last year. Um, you would. You would. <laughs> Right, like you attempt 50 passes, you only throw for 297 yards against pretty weak opponents, by the way. Like he had one start against Texas AM, and I think the other one was like a like a cleanup job against Ole Miss. Like this is not a player who I think I think flashed last year. And based on the Heisman odds as we look at them currently, like they expect Ty Simpson to start to, on at, at DraftKings, especially. Um you know, he's plus 4,000 and, and Miller's plus 5,000. So th- th- obviously there's risk based it, baked into that. But I would expect Ty Simpson to start, to be honest. I actually really liked him as a, as, as a player coming in. I, I think that he's a little wild, but I think Alabama is the type of team who can rein him in more so than a lot of other programs could. I just, I really like Jalen Milrow. Like, I really liked him as a prospect, but I don't think he's an Alabama level prospect. Like, the the joke around camp scanton for a while was we want him to go to UCLA because we think that he could be a good replacement for like Dory Thompson Robinson. Um not sure he's an Alabama level guy. I think Ty Simpson could be. Uh if I had to plant my flag today, it, it's Ty Simpson. A little wild. Uh for those who haven't seen Ty Simpson, he he prefers to play out of structure, a little Johnny Manziel, a little uh, you know, run around in the backfield. I like you know Kyler Kyler Murray. Uh, one of these guys, it, it will, you know, this Alabama team does not necessarily have the, the straw that, that 
stirs the drink. This is a terrible analogy. I'm already messing it up. But the last couple of seasons, they have had that guy or several players who were that guy on offense. Jameer Gibbs and Bryce Young last year. You've had Jalen Waddle, Jerry, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, all the quarterbacks that I've, I've mentioned. That This team does not have like that dude on it this year. Now, maybe Ty Simpson can become that, but this is an Alabama team that could lose two games next year. I don't think that that would surprise anybody. Like they don't, there, there's not, there's not that dude, at least on offense, that the game plan revolves around just yet. Is it Jace McClellan? Is it Malik Benson? I don't think it's, is it Ja'Cory Brooks? I don't think so. It's not Jermaine Burton. He had his opportunity last year. So this quarterback battle is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, that spring game is going to be in April, and I'm sure that we will build some content around uh, that spring game. Let's go oh, out we, west. We absolutely. So, one thing I will say about the Alabama quarterback battle: the Alabama quarterback of the future, in quotations, might not even be on the roster right now. It might be Julian Sayan, who is coming in next year, and he might be the guy that they're targeting over. Simpson over Milrow to be like the heir apparent. I I, I don't think Milrow was in, ever intended to be like that guy. I think Simpson may have been targeted to do so, but Julian Sayan, I think, is the guy that they're really like trying to fit into the Alabama mold. So just just from thinking from a Debbie perspective or like a C2C perspective, right? Like it it might just be Sayan is, is is your answer to the question and he's not even on he's a year away all right uh a guy who is not a year away is dante moore he is out there out west in los angeles uh at ucla this is one that this is a we're gonna beat this dead horse because we've talked about the ucla quarterback battle a couple of times but you know not everybody heard it but you can check out last week's episode we had alan true on alan is in michigan and has seen dante moore probably more so than anybody in the evaluation community. Um, but Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback, the number three quarterback overall, uh, uh, according to the recruiting services, the fifth overall player in the 2022 class. And he's got Colin Slee there, the transfer from Kent State, uh, uh, you know, run this runs this up-tempo offense that Sean Lewis is taking to Deion Sanders, Colorado, Buffaloes. Uh, last year, Colin Slee, 59% completion percentage, 2,109 yards passing, 13 touchdowns to five inter- interceptions. He did run. Uh, he had, did have 89 carries for 900, excuse me, 492 yards and four touchdowns. Matthew, we're, we're kind of speaking on one accord with regard to this. There's no incumbent at UCLA. They're both new to the campus. They're both new to the system. One guy just played G5 Power 5 football last year, but – Colin Schley is not in the same universe as Dante Moore, as Chris Moxley shakes his head vigorously. I mean, yes, uh, I agree with you. In my opinion, he is not, when you talk about the overall skill talent. Now, if I'm going on the essence of this question on who wins the job coming out of spring, I am choosing Colin Schley because I do think that he wins the job coming out of spring. I just personally do not think he keeps the job all year. I know our CFF team loves him. They got about as much of a man crush on Colin Schley as I do on Kyle McCord. It's a little bit ridiculous, especially for a dude who completed 59% of his passes last year. And we, we were told 
He's going to be this great CFF asset, this Kent State offense against the super awesome Matt competition. He was going to do all the stuff and he threw for, what was it again? Tw- was it 2,100 yards? 2,700 yards? 21, I'm sorry. 2,109. 2,109. Not 4,109, people. 2,109 against Matt competition. We talk all the time about there is a step up in competition. Everywhere from these levels, high school into college, and then G5 into P5. Now, I get it. The Pac-12 is not playing in the SEC competition. But to me, it is insane to just suggest that Colin Schley is going to come in here and be this dom- this world-dominating quarterback because he played in a veer-and-shoot offense last year. Again, completing 59%. Like, at least DTR completed better than 59% of his passes. At least he passed for more than 2,100 yards. I mean, you guys just wanted to knock – Chris Moxley just wanted to knock Jalen Milrow saying, I hope he goes to UCLA to be the next DTR. Like, is that all we're hoping for? Because I don't think that's what Chip Kelly wants. I don't think Chip Kelly goes and gets Dante more if that's all he wants is another DTR. In fact, I think the commitment of Colin Schley happened – I believe it was all an entire week before Dante Moore actually signed on national signing day to UCLA. So I don't know that they actually knew they were getting Dante Moore. So he had to have a plan ready. He goes and cut Colin Schley, who has fit his offense and does everything that he's done in the past. But at the end of the day, Dante Moore, I'm just going to give you some stats real quick. And I know high school, whatever. So dude through for, hang on, let me pull it back up here again. 8,708 yards in his four years as a, a varsity starter for Detroit King. 116 touchdowns to his whopping eight interceptions. That's pretty good, in my opinion. On top of only losing, I believe it was five games, his entire high school career, being back-to-back state champion and being there three times. I believe he lost his sophomore season, but then won it his junior and senior season. We're not talking about some, like, four-star, 120th-ranked prospect. We're talking about one of the top prospects in this class. If Chris Moxley thinks four-star Austin Matt can come in and do something for Washington next year, I don't know why you don't think Dante Moore can't do that with UCLA because he is better. He is a guy that can step up. And, and I'll be honest, Barnes I would have to- made Moxley respond to that because I would have just mic dropped on that. That's a really well, good point. I want to. I want to really bring up point. Want to bring up one other thing, and then I'll, I'm going to say this because I actually I want to put this on record so I can make myself go fact check this. I know Nate Marquise, who's a brilliant mind. I, I, that dude is incredibly smart. I listen to everything he says. And I know recently he dropped this thread on, like, freshmen who have started at the quarterback position. I think it was, like, over the last three years. And you got to go back to, like, Bo Nix. The big thing with that is I, I don't – I really think COVID affected that a lot more than we give it credit for, something I've talked about. in in these quarterbacks not being able to start. Caleb Williams finally got a chance to start. And all those guys that went into jobs last year – the one that everybody said was the most quote-unquote ready was Cade Klubnik, who was going in with a guy who had been in that system for two years, and Cade still exactly. ended up yeah. getting that job. Colin yeah. Schley is coming in and having to learn this offense day one with Dante Moore, who was there already learning the offense with him as well. At the end of the day, if we're talking about most talented player, I'm not trying to say Colin Schley is a bum, but he is not as talented as Dante Moore. That's just a fact, folks. And I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but it's the truth. And, and Mox, we're, we're going to let you respond, but this is what I think is going to happen. Chip Kelly could have every intention to start Collins Lee, but then they get reps in practice. And Diane Moore, 
you're just going to, he's just going to be like that. He's just going to make play after play. And I think the team is going to know that he's the better option. He, Dante Moore is going to create a problem and throw these plans out of whack because he's going to be that good in practice. That's what I think is going to happen. Can I, can I make one more comparison? I think actually fits very apropos. Is that the right word I want to use here? To, to what is going to happen at UCLA? No? Okay, well, I, I was trying to be smart. No, I was saying we don't have to use words, right? Uh, we use well, words, you know, right? I felt or bad. Austin, right Austin's always so. here giving like his – because I already know he hates this take, and he's probably yelling and throwing things at his computer as he listens to this. I think this is very much Texas quarterback battle 2022. And Colin Schley is Hudson Card, who hasn't actually been in the system. And Quinn Ewers is and Dante Morris Quinn Ewers coming in as this highly touted prospect who's considered extremely talented. And I guarantee you, if he does what Felix just said, there's going to be a push to start him day one because they want to win a Pac 12 championship before they head off into the Big Ten and probably be like the six split best team in the Big Ten. All right, we've we've boxed Mox out. We've boxed him out. He's been quiet. He's been patient. He's rolling his <laughs> eyes. Come on, Mox. I haven't I haven't said anything. I I have made enough. Uh, I have done enough with my face to probably tell the whole story, but I will throw this back on y'all. Odds that Dante Moore is the starter week one over under 20%. I don't know what the odds would be, but I would take I would I would take this bet to be honest with you. Like if I could, if I get plus so you think over you think this, you think there's a better chance that he starts week one. I think it I think it's like 47% that he's the starter. I think it's closer to a coin flip. Week one? Giving credit for week one. Look at their early schedule. Their early schedule is super. All right. I would absolutely All right. I would actually start him for that reason because he's going to be the better player. Here he, do this. I mean, we gave you the space to say something. I really hate you're, not say, you're not saying anything. I, I, I know. I'm look I'm looking at my other screen just contemplating what, what I'm about to say. I think Dante that we Moore's, get to fall camp and he's named the starter. Dante Moore's high school. They are the Crusaders. That is their mascot. If Dante Moore is the week one starter, I will have a Crusaders tattoo. I get one. If he is the week one starter, that is how confident I am that Conchley is going to win this job. I would be shocked if Dante Moore won this job. And I actually think Dante Moore is probably the most ready, the collegiate ready quarterback in this class. Like th this dude is calm, cool, collected. I just don't think Colin Schley is going to lose his job. Colin Schley's a really good quarterback. He was hurt basically all of last year. Like, yeah, his stats were like meh, but a very, very good quarterback from a tools perspective. He has the arm. He has the mobility. He has all of that. He was hurt a lot of the year, and his receivers were also hurt a lot of the year or dealing with some sort of nagging injury. Like, they all played a lot of games because they had to at Kent State. So I think that Colin Schley is going to win this job week one. And if he does not, we will be getting Dante Moore's high school mascot tattooed, period. That is my promise to y'all. 
I know that we should keep these discussions because we have a lot of a lot of them short. But qu- quite frankly, I've never had anybody complain about a podcast being too long. One of ours. But now we we've we have made the mistake in the past with Bryce Young saying, oh, he could beat out Mac Jones because he's more talented, even though Mac Jones was already in the building. There's probably other players that I can't think of off the top of my head where they say, hey, they can come in and start week one. And none of those situations were in none of those situations was there the, the, the guy who was allegedly going to start also new to the program in the playbook. They're both starting with clean slates, no history with the coaches, and one guy is better. So I don't understand why there's this objection from those at campus to Ken to the idea of Dante Moore starting from week one. When if you look at that that schedule early on for UCLA, it's soft. It is exactly when you would want to start a freshman quarterback before you get in to conference play and you play Oregon and you play Utah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's my, the thing that makes hang on, sense. My, my, my no, other I have, issue I have with, a, I have a real, I want to ask you a I question a on, on, on your argument. Okay, go ahead. There, who, I is, wanna, who is you? Your argument, Mox. I'm on Felix's side. What do you want? Who else? My argument? All right. All right. All right. Go shoot. <laughs> you just mentioned you think Dante Moore is the most ready, which we all agree with. Alan True said that last week as well. And yes. you said that you're betting on Colin Schley because he's got the tools and the upside. He hasn't figured those tools and upside out. You know who has? Dante freaking Moore, who's showing up in camp. Like, oh, you're yes. going to, oh, I, I'm going to yes. bet on the Dante, guy. Dante Moore at the collegiate level has been just such an excellent producer. I am so satisfied with Dante okay, so Moore then, has done. Let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this. I'm going I'm to keep going on this point then. Last year, you and your boy Austin, because I kicked back on both of you. I don't remember if Felix was on this train, so I won't throw him in uh, there with you. We're on the whole, Cade Klubnick's got the tools. He's better than DJU. He's going to start week one. If you think Dante Moore is better than Cade Klubnick, Dab- who is going Dab- in. Dab- oh, 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 I'm talking. He all goes right, in right. to Clemson <laughs> with DJU, who's been there for two years. And you guys are saying Cade's going to start week one because DJU's not that good. But you're not going to give Dante Moore any respect, who is, a, as Felix mentioned, coming in a better player at the same time as Colin Schley and learning that system. It makes no sense. He's pointing out your inconsistencies. That's his. Uh, that's his strategic, his strategy there, Chris Moxley. And he's, he seems Sweeney, to have left you speechless. Dabo Sweeney does not abide by the laws of physics. I don't think. I just don't think there's an. In- uh, a bone in his body that would start a true freshman quarterback over his guy. I just, I find that hard to believe. But when we talk about Dante Moore, we talk about Colin Schley. They brought in Colin Schley for a reason. Like this was not a guy that they just <laughs> they didn't think they would have a quarterback. That's yeah, why. it was before Dante Moore. <laughs> if they had brought him in after Dante Moore, I would agree. Okay, wait, wait, whoa, 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 time out. Here, here, here's a question I want to ask y'all. How so? Felix is forty-seven percent confident that Dante Moore starts. What what are y'all putting on the table? In ter- like, what are what are table stakes here? Because I've already said that I've got a tattoo of his I I did not say he's starting week one. I fully admitted. I think Colin starts will. week one. Okay, I just feel, don't think so. Felix, so Felix, okay, so Felix, what what is the table stakes? 
I don't. I don't. I have no. I want you. uh, I wasn't prepared for that. I I want a Kent State Golden Flashes tattoo that is. is, I have no tattoos. Do you have any tattoos? Do I have any tattoos? No, but I'm going to get a million because I'm making all these. (laughs) He's been wrong. Um, All those draft bets this year, it looks like. No, what what I'm saying is two. Two inches wide, Kent State tattoo. We can think about stakes. I'm not agreeing to hear on tonight on a tattoo bet. Even though a Kent State Golden Flashes tattoo would not be a bad, would not be a bad tattoo. All right, we we have we've talked about UCLA's quarterback position this whole off season. Let's move on here to Tennessee. Um, Nico Iamalieva who really got the discussion started about how much quarterbacks are worth in NIL. We, we, you know, the rumors were according to the athletic that it was the $8 million deer deal. That was before we heard Jade Rashada's deal of the 13 million. And uh, Chris Moxley continues to make fun of me. He's the, uh, the five-star quarterback, but there is some momentum. There is some momentum behind sixth uh, year QB Joe Milton who was in the 2018 class at Michigan. I think we all remember him being a pretty terrible passer at Michigan, but a decent athlete, a 56% career passer, uh, 0.27 EPA per play. I understand that that's bad, Chris Moxley. Um, And a, excuse me, a 56.1 QBR. Uh, and, And as far as QBR, about between 75 and 85 is pretty good. That being said, I mean, Joe Milton, we're, we are discrediting Joe Milton for what we saw at Michigan and what we saw uh, at Tennessee before Hendon Hooker was there specifically. Or well, I don't know, was Hendon Hooker there or was he just injured? He that was, game yeah. against – he was Joe there, Milton, he was injured. No, he Joe was, Milton he ran out was of named no, the Milton starter. Was named over. The starter. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, he was named – I forgot about Joe that. Milton was named the starter over Hendon Hooker. And it was the it was the old miss game where right where he runs out of bounds with no time left on the clock. Uh didn't make any sense. So I think we're discrediting him for that. But he he has this guy's he has a lot of athleticism. He has Josh Heupel as his quarterback. Matt, I think we're going to see him start. Not only see him start, if there is a guy who's going to be the Kenny Pickett of the 2023 season. Joe Bilton could be a candidate. I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I mean, if we're knocking Hendon Hooker for his gimmicky offense, I I think they're going to do the same thing for Milton next year, even though he's got better tools than Hooker. But yeah, this is one of those that's not really a argument for me. I think Milton's going to be the guy. Had he not played the way he did in the bowl game, maybe because we already know Nico was there practicing with the team. But I do think they clearly view Nico as the next guy up, and Milton is going to start the year. I don't know that he keeps it the entire year because I still have some reservations about how good he is. But I do believe in Hypo, and so he can probably keep him somewhat consistent and have him have the job all year. But I, I don't think there's any shot Nico starts outside of any kind of injury to Milton to start the season. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I just don't think Nico is necessarily ready. Um, I mean, he's the first overall player in a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the services rankings. The last time we saw Joe Millen start like a legitimate handful of games, he was horrendous. 
I think he can be better in this offense. I think Josh Heupel can scheme him up. And I, I think this offense, which is basically Baylor's offense from 10 years ago, is productive enough. And I think what we saw from him in the Clemson Bowl game, uh, the Orange Bowl, was good enough. But yeah, I mean, Felix listed out his stats earlier, right? Like his QBR last time saw him was horrendous. His EPA per play, horrendous. Like this was not a good player last time we saw him. So he needs to do a little bit of work. But there's no chance I think Nico Iamalieva is going to uh, like start week one. I, I He might come up like if, if Milton's really bad, he'll come in. But I think Milton has to be really bad. Like it won't be like mediocre, like he'll have to be terrible. Because I think Nico needs a year to develop, uh, especially from like a strength perspective too. Uh, not just like from a football IQ perspective, but like building body mass. Like he he is slender man. I've, I've, made, I've said this many times. Like he is a very skinny quarterback who needs to add weight in a, a traditional strength um, training program. And I, I think that he can do that, Tennessee. But he's not quite there. So I think Joe Milton will probably start in the majority of games this year. I think one of the largest starting quarterbacks we have in college football, 6'5", 244. Uh, Matt, you mentioned that bowl game against Clemson. He was 19 for 28, a 67% completion percentage, 251 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, did run 11 times, but only five yards. So um, that's uh, that's that's – you know that that's Joe Milton. I mean, he's going to be starting in this high octane offense. I don't, if it if this offense produces similarly to what it did last year, then Joe Milton is going to be at the center of that. So, you know, probably value, probably a value in C two C's right now, and a, a, because of that value, I would take a shot on him. Let's go to Wisconsin. Let's go to Wisconsin. Tanner Mordecai transfers from Oklahoma to SMU, now to Wisconsin, after losing the job to Preston Stone. Uh, Tanner Mordecai has been a really good fantasy player. His last two years, a 71.2 QBR, 66% completion percentage, 6,792 yards, passing 72 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. Nick Evers was a four-star prospect last year, QB9, hundred and uh, 72 overall. However, that that uh, Oklahoma team lost its quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, and then Nick Evers, I think he came in in some game. He was not any better. This one's going to go to Tanner Mordecai, Matthew. He's the veteran. He's going to start for, for Phil Longo in this uh, newly revamped Wisconsin offense. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a question. I, I know Evers, like he came in at the end of the Red River shootout, I think for like two passes. I don't like the fact that they were going with, um, yeah, they were Eric Gray or so. They were like, yeah, putting Eric were, Gray back there to run Wildcat, yeah. and they didn't put him in the yeah, game. Yeah, they were yeah. running Wildcat offense for like three straight quarters. Uh, it, it was bad. Uh, um, so I do not think. I do think Evers is still good, played very good competition here in Texas at Flower Mound High School, but I do think going into that system and having to learn it, like Mordecai's already shown us what he can do, and I think what helps him, again, Wisconsin's going to have probably at worst a top 10 offensive line in all of college football. He'll be protected. They added some weapons around him in the wide receiver room. Like, it's going to be Mordecai. It'll just be, do we see him have any of those games where he just completely Hits the bed like SMU enough to get Evers on the field. I doubt it. So I think we're going to see Mordecai probably all year. 
I tend to agree with you. Um, I don't know that this one necessarily needs a whole lot of discussion. I mean, but like it, Mordecai is probably going to be the starter, but go ahead, Mux. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if Mordecai didn't take every rep. I mean, unless Wisconsin is down now, and, and I expect him to have a bowl game, so I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, one note that I will say about Everest is that he fell down the old the Oklahoma depth chart like really quickly. They were not. I I don't say they were happy to let him go because I, I you know I I I that's not like my position to judge, but I I do think that they didn't view it as a substantial loss. Let me put it that way. I, I think that he did not impress them when he was on campus. So I find it hard to believe that he would start or do anything over Mordecai. He's far more developmental prospect as it stands. And I've always thought that with as strong a running game as Wisconsin has had, that it's fertile ground for a good play action passing game, a good deep play action passing game, because you have to, they, how many eight man boxes is Braylon Allen facing a, uh, all the time? That, that means that we should be throwing the ball deep and they just have it. So we'll see what they look like uh, with Phil Longo now ca calling plays there. Um, someone on the show sheet put Texas and Penn State. I don't think that those are quarterback battles. Though. Mox, you put uh, did I put those on there? I don't think that you those put are them on battles. there. <laughs> okay, that's my fault. Listen, uh, Arch I, I will not be me, slandered in this capacity. Freudian, Freudian slip. Uh, Quint Ewers is going to be starting at Texas. Drew Aller is going to be starting at Penn State. Drew Aller is my quarterback three after uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May. I mean, it, to me, Drew Aller is a is a round one campus to Canton startup pick. So I don't know that we need to necessarily spend a lot of time in Austin or in Happy Valley. Those ones are decided. It, I will love. I'm going to love to hear. Uh, the training camp reports and the watch the spring games for the, I cannot believe people are like clamoring for UFL USFL football when there is, when Drew Aller and Quinn Ewers are playing in get in a, in practices in a spring game that matters in April. Anyway, that that's beside the point. Um, let's go to Georgia. Let's go to Georgia. Carson Beck, I guess Brock Vandergriff and, um, Oh shoot! I'm forgetting Gunner Stockton. Gunner, Gunner, Stockton. Gunner Stockton. I have to think that Carson Beck is the leader in the clubhouse, given that he was the backup to Stetson Bennett for the last two seasons. Brock Vandergriff, a five star. I think Brock Vandergriff is probably gone after this spring. Gunner Stockton. You know, I'm, I don't have a good feeling for how talented he is or his commitment to stay there. But Matthew, I mean, this is going to be a team that runs the ball a lot. And I think that yeah. Carson Beck is going to be doing a lot of handoffs, but I think that he's going to be the starter. Yeah. I, I actually think this is going to be a very different offense as well. I mean, I, I 
I know we talked a lot about what Todd Munkin was able to do for them. He's gone. I don't necessarily believe in Bobo. Uh, his last, I believe, three stops have been really bad. I know um, our Georgia insider, Jared, thinks that they're still going to average 30 points a game. They might just because of how bad their schedule is. I don't know that they're going to be as, as I God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, as prolific passing the ball as they have been with Stetson Bennett the past two seasons. Uh, but I do think it's Carson Beck. I think if Car- if Gunnar Stockton had any shot at winning this job, he would have gotten at least some time in that national championship game when they were blowing TCU out. And he didn't, w- he didn't sniff the field. It was straight to Carson Beck, and it was straight to Carson Beck and every time that they were blowing teams out, Gunnar Stockton didn't get on the field, I believe. So that, to me, speaks that it's going to be Carson Beck. It's one of those things where it, it almost like Tanner Mordecai, Nick Evers, who we were just talking about. Like I think Carson Beck has such a lead on it. Like Gunnar Stockton's have to come in and be absolutely perfect in camp to catch him. I don't think that happens. And I like Stockton. I think he's a very good quarterback. Yeah, I would, I'd be very, very surprised if it was not Carson Beck. To be honest, he was quarterback two in spring for Georgia last year in fall camp, QB two, operate as QB two this whole season. I mean, he's a former four star quarterback. I, I just think that he is far and away the most likely to assume the Bennett role. I don't think it's going to be Brock Vandegrift. I think Brock Vandegrift might just transfer. I think there's a chance Gunnar Stockton could transfer as well. Um, there was rumors that Jackson Muschamp, well, Muschamp's kid, um, had been like quarterback three on the depth chart. I'm not, I'm not sure that speaks very highly of the, uh, the backup options, you know, outside of, outside of Beck or Vandegrift. So I, I, I really wonder what that situation looks like, but I really think it's going to be Carson Beck. Uh, I, I, I really do. He just has so much familiarity with the offense and I hate, the hire of Mike Bobo. I have lived the Mike Bobo experience. I'm a South Carolina fan who had to live with Mike Bobo for a long time. This dude cannot call an offense. Like all he wants to do is run all the time. Like he has no idea how the modern game operates. I, I just think it's a very, I think it's a step back from Todd Munkin, who I thought was an incredibly yeah. innovative and smart offense coordinator. Like I just, I just don't think you should view the Georgia offense in the same way. I, I I really don't like Mike Bobo being promoted there. Um, I think the question that needs to be addressed is whether or not Georgia's starting quarterback matters for Debbie or C2C. And I think the answer to that question no. is probably no. At yeah, Georgia, no. you want to invest in the tight end position between Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp and the running back position. I mean, there's – all, there are probably three or four guys that have NFL potential there, but the quarterback position, just leave them on the waiver wire for, for until further notice. And not, I don't not know, even I, from not the even only, the only skill position. Too. Yeah. There is one, there, the one player that I do want outside of the running back and tight end room is Dominic Lovett. I forgot that Dominic Lovett transferred to Georgia. And I am a fan of Dominic Lovett's game, the slot wide receiver from Missouri, who I wish he would have picked a better destination, but he's going to try to prove himself uh, there in Georgia. Let's do uh, – well, it's not like we've got a time commitment or anything. And if you don't – if you're done with the podcast, you can just hit done and not listen to the rest of it or listen to the rest of it later. 
Uh, Old Miss is Old Miss is interesting because of how high he had been on Jackson Dart as a company. Really, that's Austin's fault. Uh, his transfer from USC to Old Miss, he goes with his uh, his teammate there, Michael Trigg. They were a package deal, and now they have Spencer Sanders. Now they have Spencer Sanders there at Old Miss. I don't think Spencer's Jackson Dart is not starting if you bring in this veteran quarterback, Spencer Sanders. I think we could potentially see Jackson Dart hit the transfer portal again after this spring, after they name Spencer Sanders the starter. I don't think Matthew. so. I think no? it's gonna be Dart. Yeah, I, I mean, clearly, I I was a fan of Dart as well. I don't, I don't want to slander Austin. I'm pretty sure Austin dropped him at some point, but I did make the bet with Chris Moxley that Jackson Dart was gonna have a better season than Caleb Williams. That uh, it was close, I think, right? Like we we were close, but I think Caleb Williams kind of pulled it out toward like after week one. Uh, Caleb Williams kind of started running away with it <laughs> after week. One. It was close before week one. Jackson, it was close week one. Jackson Dart, though, he played better toward the end of the year. We, we've we've talked about this before. Like, Lane Kiffin has a very interesting offense. And there have been a lot of talks you can go look up. I want to say cover three, but Elliot talked about this. There's articles on this. Like, Spencer Sanders has come out and said he was not promised anything. Like, he knows he has to come and compete. And there's a lot of talk that this is also trying to help set him up for a future coaching job. I don't necessarily think that they brought him in just to be the starter. I don't know that he meshes that great with Lane Kiffin's offense to begin with. And he went out to get Jackson Dart last year, too. It's not like Jackson Dart was there, and they were just like, hey, we're, let's bring in a guy who's... So I think Dart's still going to be the starter. I think Sanders is going to push for it, but I, do, I just don't think Sanders is as, as talented as Dart, even though he hasn't lived up to the hype. And I forgot I, to mention Walker How Walker Howard is there, too. Walker Howard is, is what, a high-four-star? High I mean, he was a five-star, actually, but yeah, Walker, I don't okay, think... Okay, five-star. But he was yeah. one of those guys that I think I we were know. right on. Yeah, he was the one that I think, and I want to say, wink, I'm, wink. I, I'm almost positive it was Austin who said that like he's that five star that shouldn't have been labeled a five star. Like I, I don't think he's he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's great at anything. I definitely don't think he's starting. Like he's easily the QB three. No. I think he's their future moving forward. I think it's going to be between Dart and Sanders, and I just don't think Sanders is more talented personally. So I am a Jackson Dart hater. I, I think like you, I, I, I think that's a fair label, right? Like I, I, I have argued against him for a long time. I think I released an article in December of 2021 that was basically sell Jackson dart before, before Lincoln rally even got there. And, you know, I've, I've just, I, I just don't think he's like a super talented player. And if he is, it's, it's more raw tools than it is. He, Production. Part of part of Jackson Dart's intrigue is how cool he looks as a player. I mean, he has he has Very swag cool. down. Yeah, he yeah so yeah swag swag index not included in this evaluation. He, he has even a Drew Lockean level of swag on the field with the sleeves and the visor very, and everything. Very else. true. Very true. I I that's true. I shouldn't discount the swag index that. Dart provides because the swag index is very high. Uh, in this evaluation, it's not including, but maybe it should be in, in future evaluations. I actually think he does start this year. Uh, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, I don't know if it's all public, but from a lot of people that I've talked to, 
Spencer Sanders was brought in to like push Dart, not necessarily compete with Dart. I don't know that Dart is like a special player, but I think he could actually really be a very uh, good competitive collegiate quarterback. I, I, I don't know if the Debbie upside is there that we thought maybe it was there a year ago, but I do think that Dart could be a really good player. And I think Sanders, like Matt talked about earlier, is angling more for maybe a GA role than he is trying to compete for the shop. Cause I don't think that was sold to Dart the same way that you know, or the transfer sold to Dart in a where is this GA? He could have been a GA at Oklahoma yeah. State. What are we talking about? He could have been a GA. He didn't want to be at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State though. That's the thing. Like everybody wanted he can out. go back. Yeah. Okay. With all that he, stuff that he went was, on. Yeah. He Mike, was not Mike accepted had, back. By the way, like he, he wanted, he, it, no, Mike Gundy said, you are not, it, once he entered the portal, Mike Gundy said, you are not there. coming back here, period. And I don't think anyone really wants to be at Oklahoma State now if they have the, the choice either. That is a program that is in complete disarray. Like, I, I really Mike, don't think Mike Gundy, wants, Mike, I don't know how Mike Gundy is dodging all these bullets with the stuff with Chuba Hubbard and the T-shirt and all that stuff, so. Uh, he oh, he's not anymore. anymore. Yeah. He's not anymore. It's, it's the, all catching up. If, if you go look at a lot of the rumors, and, like, I don't want to – it's rumors, so I don't want to necessarily report anything, but I'll, I'll put it this way. Spencer Sanders was clearly injured. A lot of these games toward the end of the year it was very well known. Spencer oh, Sanders shot. didn't necessarily want to play some of those games, yet he was forced to is what's kind of being reported out there. And I won't say who was forcing him to do that, but the minute he had a chance to leave, he did. And that's why I think a lot of people are looking to say, oh, no, Lane Kiffin wanted him. No, he was trying to get out of Oklahoma State. If you notice, there was nobody else that offered Spencer Sanders. So I don't necessarily think that this means he's coming in just to compete with Ooh. Jackson. I think there's a lot more going on there than, than we've talked about. Who gets who gets an NFL he, head coaching job first, uh, Mike Gundy or Eric Bieniemy? Eric Bieniemy. Mike, Mike Gundy will never get the job. <laughs> I was I was playing into the Eric Bieniemy not oh, getting one. Okay. I don't think I don't think. Mike right, let, sorry. Let's 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 move on. I, I know that there's more to say, but let's move on here because this is getting long. Um, Matthew, give me thirty seconds on Florida. Who do you think is going to win between Graham Mertz and Jack Miller? I think it's 30 seconds. Mertz. Like in, in even his bad time, he's showed more than what Shaq Miller did in that bowl game. That was bad. I, I don't think Miller's got it. Mox. I've gone back and forth on this because I actually think that I don't know. I think Graham Mertz is probably a bad player. Uh, but I do think it's gonna be Graham Mertz. I uh, you know, he's like the in Manning type, um, the way he comes off as many people are saying this, um, it's not going to be Jack Miller. There's no <laughs> chance that they're going to go back to Jack Miller after what we saw. Like Matt is a hundred percent right. That was a horrendous performance. And when you can bring in a Peyton Manning type, this offense, I mean, how are you going to pass that up? Uh, I will say this. I think that Graham Mertz is a better natural fit for Billy Napier's offense than Anthony Richardson was. They want to run kind of a vanilla uh, wide zone, play action off wide zone, 
offense. And I think Graham Mertz could be well suited for that offense. I mean, that's they, that's kind of what they did at at uh, Wisconsin. Um, I, I still believe in Graham Mertz. I want to say that for the record. I still believe in Graham Mertz. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I All right. You did. <laughs> we we were going to play this game where we uh, ranked, or excuse me, where we rated some of these Big Ten teams. We're going to have to save that for, for next week because it's just – or the, the after show, which I don't even know if we're doing an after show today. Um, we need to get Barnabas in here to correct our mistakes. Barnabas, uh, our, our lead NFL draft analyst here covered the senior bowl for us here at campus Barnabas. How did we, how did we do tonight? Did we do all right? Uh, you did. Okay. So let's start with Ohio state. Um, so I looked up snap counts here, which like, isn't really a fair metric to be fair. Right. But I think it, it does show that like Ryan day is definitely going with experience here. Cause Devin Brown only had 15 snaps this year, this past year and no passing stats. So, uh, like, obviously that's a big, big deal when Kyle McCord had, you know, uh, so he, his start against Akron was in 2021. So that's not even counting this past year where he had 67 snaps. He was, uh, 16 of 20 for 190 yards, which isn't like super inspiring, but like fine, good enough. Considering that his most usage came against Toledo where he was five for seven for 115 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so like, that's almost all of it, right? Uh, everything else was 75 yards on 11 attempts in, in uh, 13 attempts and 11 completions, right? So he was just dinking it there. Um, interesting thing, note in the Alabama quarterback battle, uh, I compared Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow's freshman years um, in terms of snap counts. I thought that was more comparable because Milrow got the start this past year, so that skews the stats. Ty Simpson, freshman year, 30 snaps, four for five, 35 yards. Jalen Milrow, his freshman year, 33 snaps, three for seven, 41 yards, and one touchdown. Like, both pretty uninspiring, but both got roughly the same usage. So is that just the freshman usage that, you know, Alabama trots out there? Interestingly enough, we talk about Jalen Milrow as this, like, athletic, super athletic, like, rushing guy. In their junior seasons uh, in high school, Jalen Milrow had exactly 67 more rushing yards than Ty Simpson's junior season. Okay, so roughly the same, right? Senior year, Jalen Milrow has uh, 559 rushing yards, and Ty Simpson has 862. Is Ty Simpson a better runner than Jalen Milrow? Like that, that's basically the stats we're looking at right now. So I don't know that we can really say, I mean, obviously, we've seen on the field, Jalen Milrow is probably faster and maybe a better runner, but like we can't necessarily say he's you know, this huge weapon when he wasn't even doing it in high school against inferior competition. Um, a couple notes about UCLA. So we know Dante Moore's crazy vaunted stats here, right? Anyone care to guess in his, uh, in his entire season, how many games he had above 250 yards? His senior, se his, his senior season. Sorry, Colin Schley. Sorry. I'm, I'm oh, Colin Schley. Oh, Colin okay. Schley. Last Colin year, Schley, how many Kent last State, year? Over 250 many, yards. Uh, 250 yards passing. Oh, Probably God. Four. He only threw for 2,100, so I'm going to go or none, one. Or none. Or none. He had he had two. He had two games above 250. Uh, how many games above 200? Oh, sorry. I, I messed this with... up again. I messed this up. Hold on. So I took out <laughs> – for the, for, the for the sake of argument, I took out the uh, overtime inflated Ohio game. Where, which was his best game by far. We're going to give him his props for that. He threw for almost 400 yards in that game. 
If you take that out, his season stats are only 1697 yards, 1,600. He didn't even throw for 2,000 yards if he, in uh, nine games because he was injured Beating in me, Buffalo yeah. against Buffalo. So, um, you know, so in his 10 games, we're, we're counting out his best game just for the sake of argument here. He has two games above 250, three games above 200, and only six games above 175. That's 60% of his games. He's only throwing above 175. Take that as you will. Um, he's, he start, really, he's starting. Yeah. He's so much better than Dante Moore. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry if we're man. if oh. we're taking if we're taking this tools about like oh he know, he's a mobile quarterback he knows how to run. We're not counting his Buffalo game because he was injured in that game, but he did have 44 rushing yards. So we take we're taking that out for the sake of argument. In his in the entire rest of the season, including that Ohio game, 448 rushing yards over 10 games. That's okay doable but is that a rushing quarterback do we call that mobile uh i i look i i watched a few of those kent state games and he has the arm clearly even if it's not necessarily complete every single time but uh you know i i don't know that we can call him a, a, a like that rushing ability we we don't actually have proof of that yet um and then okay so for tennessee i have a question for all of you uh, week six is the buy for Tennessee in 2023. Nico, can Nico take over at week six? No, you, I think no. it's Joe think, Milton's season. I think it's Joe Milton's, Milton's season. entire season. Yeah. Okay. Cause I will say this, right. There is a situation in which Milton struggles enough in the first half of the season because the first five games are against UVA, Austin P, but then they have UF, UTSA and South Carolina in a row right before that buy. So I'm just saying there's a world in which they he struggles enough. <laughs> he struggles enough in those three games that we could see, you know, the boosters start to say, hey, we paid all this money for this guy. Where he at? Um, so I, I just wanted to point that out. I'm not necessarily making a stand either way, but. Yeah, I think they'd have to lose two games for him to come in at that point. And you don't, don't think there are two happens. losses in there? No, I think Florida is going to be bad. <laughs> Like really bad this year. Okay. Do you think UTSA's offense isn't going to be good enough to overcome that? No. UTSA. I think there's a shot. UTSA. No. No. That spread will be like twenty-four points. Yeah. I don't think we see much of Nico Iamalieva this year. Uh, I think it's going to be Joe Milton. All right. That's going to be our show for tonight. It was a long one. It was a long one, and we have to uh, play the game next week where we rate some of these players and we'll continue to do that uh, as we move forward. Uh, apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning and Chris Moxley and Barnabas Lee. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.